All right. So this morning we are starting a new series, as Jeff kind of alluded to, about thankfulness. And if you can tell what I've done here on the screen, we've gone thanks, and then there's a space, and giving. And what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is how we are called to give certain things in this time of year. Because I love this time of year. Now, it's not for the reason that you may think, food, but the reason why I love this time of year, because in the Kittinger household, this is considered of no. Hear me out. Starting on November 1st, we can tell our kids no anywhere we go. Uh, and I know, some of you have already talked to me about this. Jeff's even sent me messages about, Bryce, you got to slow down. You're buying Isla too much stuff. I get it. I know this. She's so cute. So I have way to deal with. But November 1st, the day after Halloween, we start saying no to these kids. We can go to Target confidently. We can peruse the aisles. We can even go into the toy section, and I can look at these kids and say no. And do you know why? It's because I can say Christmas is right around the corner. I do it. I've got Santa on my back now. I've got Santa's help telling these kids no. And these kids, they understand that. They know that Christmas is right around the corner. Now, for poor Isla, her birthday's in December. And so we kind of hit her with a, a double element there. I'm sorry, Isla, but your birthday's right around the corner, and Christmas is right after that. We're going to add it to your Christmas and your birthday list. We tell these kids no anything. No matter what they look at, they can look at it all day long. They're not getting it because we are in the season of no. And it's, it's, a, it's a new life that we're living right now. Now, after Christmas... Game on again. Now we're, we're kind of back to square one. But I've got about two months where I can tell these kids no confidently, knowing that Santa's got my back. With all joking aside, I do love this season of the year because it's Thanksgiving. It's a time of togetherness and reflection. We gather with friends and family that we haven't seen in a very long time. We enjoy meals, obviously, my favorite thing. Let's do some, you know, sweet potato casserole with that. We got to have the marshmallow on top, y'all know. But I love it. I love just coming together, sitting at a table, talking, catching up, reflecting on the year. But what I want to challenge us to in this series is that if we don't let those emotions do something within us, like if those emotions, those feelings of thankfulness don't stir us and point us in a direction to live the way that God calls us to live, then all we're doing is eating. We are called to do things in our lives. And so for the next four weeks, what we're going to do is look at four different areas of life that the spirit of thankfulness that we get from God should lead us into. We're going to talk about how we're called to give our voices, how we're called to give our resources, our focus, and our time. And this week, we start with the idea of our voices. To me, voices is the most easily accessible element in this discussion. We all have voices. We can all talk and share and communicate with people. But if we're honest with ourselves, it's also the most reckless, the one that can get us in the most trouble. We can say the wrong thing. We can be hurtful to people. We can break people down. We can be negative. We understand that our voices are readily accessible, but often at times reckless. And how we give our voices, how we share our voices, can change environments and relationships almost on the drop of a dime. You ever had those moments where you you said the wrong thing and you knew that that relationship changed? We understand that, right? How, How important and how crucial our voices are. 
And sometimes we get, forget that we are called to give our voices to things. In 1 Peter chapter 13, Peter writes this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, this is counter to the old adage, now if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You're not going to believe this, but I was told that a decent amount as a kid, and sometimes as an adult as well. But Peter is, is on to something, right? He's understanding the importance of our voice how we are called to give our voice to certain things. And along with that comes being prepared. There's a level of confidence that Peter is referencing here too. About knowing what you believe in. Understanding the hope that you have. That when the opportunity comes to share, when the opportunity comes to give your voice to a situation, you should go with it. And so that brings us to this question. How are we supposed to give our voices? There are countless ways that we can give our voices, but for the sake of time and this sermon, I'm going to select two. I think that we are called to give our voices to empowering people and encouraging people. Again, there are way, there are way more that we could talk about this morning, but we're just going to focus on those two. And for me, encouragement is the easiest thing for us to do as Christians. But it's certainly probably one of the most underused as well. The ones that we, we know that we are supposed to encourage and build up our neighbors, our friends, coworkers, classmates. We understand that as Christians that we are supposed to encourage and be there for people. But it's the one that I think that we get pretty lazy with. How many times have you had that moment in your head where you're thinking, I should encourage that person. And you don't do it. You move on. You go to lunch and then you've forgotten it. That's what I mean by it's one of those that it's underused. And think for a moment at the times in your life where you needed encouragement, where it would have changed your whole day, your week, maybe your month, if somebody had just leaned into your life and told you, hey, you're doing a great job. Or, hey, I know you're going through a difficult time right now, but I've got your back. I know that things aren't where you want them to be, but you've got a community behind you that loves you and supports you and believes in you. Often when those things happen, it's, it's done in, unintentionally. Sometimes when people share those periods of encouragement, it's done in a way that is in passing. But remember what Peter says, to always be prepared. Because God calls us to be people of encouragement. The writer of Hebrews talks about this as well. In Hebrews chapter 3, the writer of Hebrews says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our, our original conviction firmly to the very end. Now in the beginning part of this section of Hebrews chapter 3, the writer is talking about the unbelief that's developing amongst this community. And, and I do think that there's unbelief that's happening but I do think that there's spiritual fatigue that is, is steamrolling that unbelief. See, these, the people that, that the writer of Hebrews is writing to, they're experiencing persecution. Regardless of how you date this, if you go in the 40s, you're looking at the Emperor Claudius. If you go kind of later and you're in the 60s, you're looking at Nero. Regardless of what Roman emperor you choose, these people are being persecuted. Every single day, their existence is being targeted 
And so you you add that layer to this understanding of Hebrews chapter 3, and maybe you recognize why the writer of Hebrews is saying, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. If we just focus on that Hebrews 13 passage, like this is a community that you want to be a part of, right? Probably minus the persecution. But you understand this feeling of needing to be encouraged daily. When the writer of Hebrews writes this, He's leaning into what is going on in this community. How people are looking around and saying, I don't want to be persecuted anymore. And a lot of them are saying, this isn't worth it. I'm not going to risk this. I'm not going to risk my life, my family, everything that I have just to be persecuted. And so when the writer of Hebrews uses this language to encourage one another daily, there's this idea that it's becoming a part of who they are. That encouragement should be such a part of your existence, how you live, how you breathe, that it's no longer done intentionally, it's done instinctively. You do it just because that is who you are and who God created you to be. And today is a gift. And you see the language there too, as long as it is called today. The writer of Hebrews is emphasizing something that we all need, that every single day we need to know that somebody is there for us and that somebody is leaning into us. But often what happens is we dismiss that encouragement. We don't accept it. I struggle with accepting help from time to time. Sometimes I think I've got to do everything on my own and I know that I can't. But sometimes we have to have people come into our lives and say, hey, I need to help you. I'm here to encourage you. Several years ago, I was at a conference at St. Mark's, and I had Judah with me. Judah was about four, five months old, and, and I would take Judah around town because it made me feel good. People would be like, oh, look at that dad, just crushing it. And so I would take Judah around town. It was not. It, people, it was, people really felt sorry for me. Like, what's going on with this man? Um, who's someone help him? But years ago, I was at St. Mark's, and I was at this conference, and, and Whitney was teaching at the time, and so I had Judah with me. I just said, He's probably going to sleep through the whole conference. I can, I can hold him. It won't be a big deal. And obviously, by saying that, let you know that it didn't work out that way. From the second that we got to St. Mark's, Judah started just being fussy. And he was, you know, kind of, and then that, that feeling of there's a baby in the crowd. You know what I mean? If you've ever been in a situation like that, like there's a baby in this movie theater. And, and that's kind of what it felt like, where people were like, why is there a baby at this grown-up conference? And so I go on the outside of the auditorium in kind of their lobby area, and I'm watching the conference, and a lady comes up to me, and she taps me on my shoulder. And I thought, this is it. Like, they're going to be like, all right, get out of here, man with this baby. And she says, can I please hold your baby for a little bit? And I said, no, I, I don't know you. Um, <laughs> absolutely not, ma'am. Um, but I said, no, I'm, I said, we're good. Like, he's, he's a little fussy. We're going to bounce and walk around for a little bit. I promise you it's okay. And she said, I want to give you a word of encouragement and wisdom. If somebody is offering to hold your baby and to help you out, let them help you. And I'll never forget that moment of like, okay, she's giving me wisdom. She's giving me encouragement that I don't have to do it on my own, that she's there to help. And there was a moment where I was like, am I about to hand my baby to this stranger that I've never met before? And she said, if you're worried about it, I'll give you my wallet. You can hold my wallet while you're in the conference, and then we'll trade wallet for baby after it. And we did. I did. Um, she gave Judah back quick. But 
But I, I tell that story because I needed someone to encourage me and pour into my life in that moment. Like it, it took somebody going the extra mile to give me that encouragement, to speak, use her voice in a moment. She recognized that I needed help. She didn't want to be doing what she was doing either. She'd rather hold a baby. Like, I get that too. But it was one of those moments in my life where I recognized the importance of voice. She saw a moment to speak into somebody's life. And it helped me out. And I think she had fun with my kid. And I still have her wallet. I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> but but this, this idea of it moves forward in Hebrews chapter 10 as well. Where the writer of Hebrews uses this language, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, moving forward, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water and let us hold unservingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching you see this language again of encouraging someone daily encouraging someone in everything that you do how you exist, how you breathe. You're encouraging, you're using your voice to speak in and uplift people who need this. In the context of Hebrews chapter 10, again, this is a church, a community that is facing daily persecution. They need to be reminded that they are not alone. They need to be reminded that they have help, that they have people who are going to be there with them to support them. But you have to have the confidence to do that. Think about that lady at St. Mark's a lot. She was not shy. <laughs> she walked up to a stranger and offered to hold his baby. But there's a confidence there that you see in this lifestyle of encouraging daily. This isn't something that you do if you're timid. This is something that you do if you're confident in how you're existing and what you're here for. One of my favorite things about being a part of a church, specifically Chanel, is advice that people give me. I love getting unsolicited advice. If you've ever been a recipient of unsolicited advice, there's always so much wisdom in it. And it's often when you don't recognize that you need it that people are willing to share with you what has gone on in their life. Normally, I get parenting advice when my kids are being bad. Like, you know, when my, when my kids were young, we did this. I know I'm, being, I'm joking about it, but guys, that's so helpful. So what I'm encouraging you to do in this section about encouragement is this. When you see those windows open where you can encourage and pour into somebody's life, don't be timid. Go for it. Share your experience. Share your wisdom. Use your voice to encourage and to uplift. Or the other way that we use our voices that we've already mentioned is to empower. The Bible calls us to speak out against injustice. And this conversation of voice empowering others is, in this way is difficult. It's risky. It's challenging. And here we have to trust that God is leading us in a direction that empowers those who need uplifting. To me, these are the moments 
when you see something wrong happening and you can just feel it in your bones. You can see injustice happening. You can see someone being treated poorly. I see this in the context of kids a lot. You can see somebody being left out or looked down upon just because they're different. In Proverbs chapter 31, right before you get to the Proverbs of the, the, the wife in verse 8 and 9, it reads, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. The emphasis from Proverbs is that as Christians, we should be willing to look out for those who need help. We should be willing to have our eyes open for those who are struggling, for those who need that extra hand to help them get up off the ground. Think about that. It's so much easier to look at somebody and say, man, I hope things get better for that person. And sometimes we even do that. I'm going to pray for you, and then we forget about it, and we move on. But it is another more time-consuming thing to empower and give your time and energy to defend another person. But when we do these things, we are blessed. David writes this in Psalm 41, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and preserves them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desires of their foe. In a similar way to that what we described in our conversation of encouraging, this too is, is, should become part of a Christian identity. Of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Speaking out against injustice. Encouraging those who need to be uplifted. So often Christians are, are known more for what they are against than what they're for. What if part of our identity became supporting those who needed help, lifting people up when they were down? But this isn't just an Old Testament mindset. Jesus talks about this. In the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, Jesus goes through this imagery of people who didn't help. When Jesus was thirsty, they didn't give him a drink. When he was hungry, they didn't give him food. Clothes, they did not clothe him. And then Jesus responds in Matthew 25, verse 40, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is another powerful reminder not to overlook those that we feel maybe are beneath us. Because in the kingdom, everyone has value and everyone has purpose. But in Matthew 25, what is Jesus really calling us to do? Are we supposed to just think about these people or pray for them? Or is Jesus calling us to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and support the disenfranchised? When we use our voices in this way, we become co-builders in the kingdom of heaven on earth. And friends, that is what we are called to do every day. So this week, you have homework. I know. Sorry. This week, I want you to think about this. In what ways can you give your voice? Maybe this week there's somebody in your life that you know needs encouragement. Your homework this week is to encourage that person. To actually give them that feeling of encouragement that they can do it. Or maybe you've been sitting around and you're seeing injustice around you. That maybe this is the time that you do something about it. Speak up against it. If you hear people talking about something that you know is wrong... Maybe this is God calling you to speak up and into that injustice. 
So this week, that is what I want you to do. To look for those moments to empower and uplift people. When God puts a moment where you can bless somebody by encouraging them, do it. Don't be timid. But recognize that in this season of thankfulness, we are called to use the gifts that God has given us. And this week, our focus is on voice. So when God puts someone in your life to encourage, encourage them. When God presents a moment of injustice where someone needs to be empowered or encouraged, again, do that. 